This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the program. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, Dr. Ron Zokel from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers will join us with a look ahead to all the new innovations in dentistry this new year is expected to bring, and Dr. Ron will take your calls, too. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're working on this week. Even though the Bank of Canada has not yet made an official rate increase so far this new year, that didn't stop three of our biggest banks. Banks, TD, CIBC, and the Royal Bank from raising their interest rates on the five-year benchmark mortgages yesterday, with the other two big banks expected to follow by Monday. The increase is 15 basis points. The new fixed rate is now 5.14%. Whether this will slow down the housing market, especially combined with the new stress test for mortgages, remains to be seen. The bond markets are said to have some influence on the increase, as fixed-rate mortgages are more closely tied to the bond market than variable rate mortgages. But next week should be interesting as the Bank of Canada is expected to increase its benchmark interest rates, which in turn should affect variable rate mortgages. So it appears from this distance, nobody is going to escape the mortgage rate increases this time. So with all this chatter about rate hikes, even more of us are on the lookout for bargains and deals. And this one is already a hit that appears to be backed by popular demand. Last month, several Canadian wireless providers offered up to 10 gigabytes of data and plans for 60 bucks a month. And we were all over them. It actually began last October with Freedom Mobile and its Everywhere Canada plan featuring 10 gigs of data and unlimited calling in Canada and the U.S., among other features. The last time Freedom made this offer, almost all Canadian wireless providers jumped on board, and industry analysts say expect more of same this time, too. So maybe a little relief on the mobile phone costs coming soon. Another setback for Ford this week as the car makes has had to recall notice rather issue recall notices to owners of its 2006 model Ford Ranger pickup trucks over faulty Takata airbags and Ford says it's taking this matter very seriously the company is urging drivers of 06 Ford Rangers to stop driving so dealers can make repairs immediately. The decision was taken following a second fatal accident involving a ruptured airbag that killed a second driver in two years. Now, most of the affected vehicles were sold in the States, but a couple of hundred were sold here in Canada. So if you drive a 2006 Ford Ranger, see a Ford dealer as soon as possible and just have those airbags checked out. Lots of attention being paid to the $25 gift certificates being offered by some supermarket chains as a goodwill PR gesture after some were caught overpricing bread for over a decade. Others deny overpricing, but are giving out cards anyway, and lots of suggestions about what to do with these cards. My favorite so far comes from many listeners who are saying, well, let's just pass them along to our food banks who serve over 100,000 British Columbians every month, many of them children. So even if you don't gift your entire card to a food bank, a few items from the money spent will help a lot. And keep in mind the volume power of our food bank. 
they can take your 25 bucks and make it travel at least three times the purchase distance that you can. This isn't for everyone. For those who can help out, it's sure easy. The gift cards come with a caveat attached in that they must be redeemed at the store for full retail prices. They are not as valuable to a food bank as cash, but needless to say, food banks appreciate all the donations they receive. Those are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. We'll have a look at some more later in the show, and we'll have a steel report for you as well. Stay with us because Dr. Ron Zokel from BC Perio will join us momentarily to talk about the exciting developments in dentistry, and he's here to take your calls as well. This is Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. Welcome back to the show. It is exactly 2.13 straight up on this very, very cloudy, but warm Saturday afternoon in downtown Vancouver. Not so warm in the Fraser Valley, but uh, nice to have you with us on Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Dr. Ron Zokel from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers in Vancouver and Coquitlam. Dr. Ron, hello. Welcome back. It's good to see you. And belatedly, Happy New Year, because we haven't seen you since long before Christmas. Uh, thank you, Sterling. Uh Nice to be back, and Happy New Year to you, too. It's nice to be back this fine afternoon on a Saturday in Vancouver. Indeed it is. Now, I wanted to ask you about this time of the year for people in the dental profession, and you people at BC Perio with your two offices in Coquitlam and Vancouver. Uh, it's resolution season, and I'm sure, at least I'm, I think perhaps wrongly, that a lot of people have resolved in the last few weeks that, you know... Uh, maybe maybe it's not time to quit smoking. Maybe it's not time to lose weight. But by gosh, in 2018, I'm going to get my smile back. So are you in January in this resolution season super busy? Uh, interesting. We're busy. Having said that, I think the push to get one's smile back precedes Christmas because of the festivities and ah, the getting together of families all those and photos. such. Absolutely. Yeah. So we see a strong push to get work completed and a lot of work done before Christmas. Now that we're after, there seems to be a slight lull perhaps, but we don't notice a, a significant number of people coming forward and saying, hey, look, now's the time I've got to get my teeth done. Right, okay, it's interesting because I, I would have thought that, you know, because we go down this checklist of things that, well, well we've got to improve, got to do something different in the new year. It just keeps the wheels turning for many of us, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, but I, So that surprises me a little bit. Talk to us a little bit, because I promised our listeners you would, Dr. Ron, about the dental industry. You and your partner, Dr. Bobby Birdie, have been in uh, uh, recently uh, talking about the technology end of the dental business. You people, you and Dr. Birdie literally traveled the world teaching other dentists about new technology in your industry. It's a new year. What are you looking forward to in 2018? Boy, uh, this is going to be an interesting year because there have been a lot of movements uh, related to technology in dentistry. It's not that it's absolutely brand new. But the advent of digital technology is impacting dentistry very, very significantly. And what we see, first of all, is that we are replacing old modalities of treatment where you're taking impressions. Remember those trays you used to stick in oh, your mouth? And oh, with, with well, all that, that goop and head. Really awful tasting uh, stuff. Yeah, see, I remember 
when you left it in for 15 minutes oh, with yeah. a rubber base material before you could take it out. Uh, that material over time and not much time distorts and you have lots of aspects of distortion in the process of creating models uh, by which teeth are made or dentures are made, whatever it is, because you've got to pour materials in one phase, it sets up, and there's expansion contraction factors. If you're going to cast something in the way of a crown, as you put heat to it, it expands. As it cools, it contracts. So there's built-in error in the laboratory business, which becomes a bit of an art form in order to get right on a routine basis. So now this old plasticine stuff that you used to put in the silver trays is gone. What's well, it being replaced with? Well, yeah, let me just point out, first of all, this is a new technology, and not the average person is, is intimately involved with it. So okay. the great majority of dentists still do it the old way. But what we find today is that we can scan. We have a scanner that uh, runs a, photo, a series of photographs, and they stitch photographs together and create a three-dimensional model of your upper and lower teeth and how they come together. So nothing, there's no impression material going in, uh, nothing to shrink or contract or expand. Or get wrong. Or get wrong. And right. therefore, the accuracy is much better yeah. than and less, and less fraught with problems and risks of distortion. You marry that with the laboratory technology itself where milling, you have a block of material and you robotically mill in three dimensions the exact crown that you're looking to put on that tooth or the prosthesis that you build onto implants or dentures that are created or milled out of a block of material rather than uh, created by acrylic, which has a significant distortion factor as it sets. So all of a sudden, all our work becomes faster and much, much more accurate. And more permanent by the sounds of it, too. Potentially. Potentially, yes. Anything that's going to be more accurate could technically last longer. So there's this big drive. Now, this is not new, but what I will tell you is that, is that it's coming quickly to a lot of dental practice. So much so that Dr. Birdie and I have actually partnered with a couple of specialists in the U.S., one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, to create a, an entity which is going to teach dentists how to incorporate digital technology into their practices seamlessly and, and efficiently because it involves an investment, but also a protocol for treatment, which they've got to adopt. And uh, if, you're, if you're trying to reinvent the wheel by yourself, everybody's going to spend an awful lot of time. So we decided that we're going to do something different. We're going to actually help those doctors become better. Are the, are the kids in dental school these days with you? Are they already where you're at? You're trying to bring along graduates, uh, practicing dentists who, have, who are busy practicing. They don't get a chance to bone up on all the stuff they need to every day. And so they're playing catch-up ball a lot. But are the young dentists in school these days right where they should be? That's an interesting question. I don't know the answer because every dental school is going to de- move into this technology at their own pace. What I would suggest is that everybody is being taught about it. Okay. Okay. But I suspect what they're doing is that they're going to teach and probably still teach the old way of taking impressions and doing the laboratory work because there are too many people, too many areas where dentists will not avail themselves of the new technologies or may choose not to because of their age and experience. They just don't want to get into it Mm -hmm. because it's an investment. Uh, So I think... Both modalities of therapy will continue. Uh, We may find in five to ten years that the majority of people are in full digital mode. And and I expect that might be a reality. 
we won't know until that happens, of course. Mm-hmm. And the modern today's uh, dental office is uh, is quite a remarkable change from what it was even 10 years ago in terms of the patient. And I guess, Dr. Ron, what the, what the most satisfying aspect of it is from a patient perspective, things happen quicker. You, you for example, used to remember you used to have to get your, your uh, uh, pictures of your teeth taken, and then they would come back on those little black things, uh, and then you would put them up on this. Well, now you get the picture taken it's up on the screen right in front of you seconds after it's done you and your dentist can look at it together and discuss what what options are available to you it's super fast and very convenient that way it is and and much more accurate dentists can collaborate on treatments now, there's modalities of treatment such as implant dentistry where some dentists only do the surgery some other dentists only do the prosthetics and and when they do that, they have to work together. So the technology has allowed everybody to look at exactly the same material at the same time and, and, and put their input with their expertise into suggesting what might be the optimal form and, and modality to treat that particular patient. Uh, so the technology is, has been around for a while, but it's getting better and stronger all the time. And I might add that... It appears that we are likely one of the leading edges when it comes to digital technology in dentistry, be it in the laboratory area as well as the dental practice area as well. At BC Perio. At BC Perio, mm-hmm. right. And the, 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 the treatment potentials we have, the, what we do on a routine basis, we know to be pretty much leading edge. And a lot of people are coming to us for the information on how to make it work for them. Exactly. Well, this is why you and your partner, Dr. Bobby Birdie, spend so much time on the road. Uh, Dr. Birdie's not with us today because he's spending a day with his family. Oh. <laughs> he's been traveling so much. <laughs> a well-earned but, break. But you're, you're, you're in demand. The two of you are in demand uh, at, the, at the tip of the spear, so to speak, in terms of educating uh, or, play, or helping dentists around the planet play catch-up ball, and stay somewhat current with, with the changes in, in the evolving industry. Yeah. Our, our goal is to not only help our patients, but to help the field become better and stronger. Sure. Okay. I wanted to ask you, I'm going to open up the phone lines, too, uh, at 604-280-9898. I got a ton of questions for Dr. Ron Zolkel from BC Perio, but if you have a few yourself, feel free to jump in. 604-280-9898. The lines are open now. I wanted to ask you about dentures, Dr. Ron, and we'll talk about teeth in one day, and that's implants, and you've already referenced that a couple of times. But for people who wear dentures, and a large percentage of the population does, there are disadvantages to it, and it's an aging thing. One's mouth never stays the same ever, and it's a, it's a, a consequence of aging as much as anything else, isn't it? In, indeed it is, but it also contributes to your appearance of aging as well. So as your tissues deteriorate and you lose what we call vertical dimension, that's the size of the teeth, and sometimes you need your, that size to be reduced in the case of dentures so the dentures are more stable, uh, and, and when you lose bone underneath the dentures on a routine basis and the quality of the gum tissue is reduced yeah. for the longer term denture wears as well, it becomes increasingly more difficult to hold those dentures in place in a way that makes you feel comfortable when you're out in society right? and you're socializing. So assuming that, that you're not going to go the implant route, and we'll discuss that as an alternative option and compare the two in a few minutes, but let's just say you're going to stick the dental the denture route right now. How frequently then, as a denture wearer, realistically, should you contemplate having a new set of dentures replacing the existing ones? How often should you do that? It it varies. It varies between different patients depending on 
how well the dentures fit in the first place. Yeah. Because if they fit very well and distribute the force, you won't see the degree of change underneath it in the way of bone and gum tissue quality. Uh, for dentures that are well-made, they are still going to cause those changes. For people who have excessively high forces, the biting forces that they generate on their dentures will negatively impact the bone and soft tissue underneath the dentures, and you're going to need to change it out earlier. Okay. Now, it may not be necessarily a change of the denture as a whole. It might be a reline. But either way, the relationship between the base of the denture, which doesn't change, and the gum tissue bone structure area will change. And as a result of that, you need to minimize the negative impact of ill-fitting dentures by realigning them or replacing them. Okay, and a, real, a three realignment. Three to five years is not an uncommon number. Okay, so three to five years, it, it, that should be your sort of service range to reassess what's going on. At least. Okay, and a, 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 one can understand what a replacement would be, but what do they do when they realign dentures? I'm, I can, I'm thinking it from a car point of reference, and it's not helping at all. Let, let me just refine that terminology. <laughs> it's a, a reline, not realign. Okay. Okay, <laughs> like you're changing, a, you're oriented in the front wheels of a car. Exactly. Aligning them up. No, yeah. that's not the case. Uh, oh, what good. we do is we, we remove some of the denture material that fits right on top of the, of the jaw structure, and we take an impression of that using the old denture. So it creates a model of the existing structure uh-huh. that's there, and we send that to the lab, and the lab replaces that impression material that's sitting inside the denture with new acrylic to that new form. Ah. So technically speaking, we reline the denture so it fits more accurately to the mouth. And it's uh, therefore should be a much more comfortable fit. Oh, or, it should be. And again, that, again, within a three to five year uh, turnaround time, uh, uh, just generally service on the dentures should be a constant thing. It's not something, well, I got dentures, I don't have to worry about it for the rest of my life. Not true, is it? Oh, exactly the opposite. Is true, and if you don't attend to them, the great majority of people who wear dentures who don't attend to relines or remake of dentures lose much more bone structure than do people who do attend to it. Interesting stuff. Let's go to the phone lines. Tammy in Burnaby, thank you for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, I was just going to ask a question about a gold filling I have at the top that's in between two silver fillings, and every single night, this has been going on for almost a year, I feel a kind of a burning feeling the metals aren't compatible i don't think gold in the middle of two silver <laughs> tammy that's that's an interesting question and and I, I when we talk about dissimilar metals we talk about the galvanic reaction potential between two metals uh, over the years and having done a lot of gold fillings in harmony with silver fillings present i have yet to hear that so I, I'm, I'm listening to what you have to say. You're obviously sensing something, but I would go to a dentist and, and, uh, and see if they can perceive why you might be getting that, that interesting reaction. Yeah, I've gone back three times. They can't figure it out. So they're saying, do you want us to take out the silver and put in gold? Do you want us to take out the gold and then decide? Or we're, we can't figure this out. Well, there are several things to consider in that. First of all, the well-placed gold filling is by far the best way to restore those teeth. Having said that, it's also the most expensive way to restore it. But yeah. if you want compatible materials, then you might want to consider taking the gold out, which I shudder because I would never do that in my mouth, uh, I, and, and replace it. But I suspect you have the problem that you might not find a change in the symptoms you're experiencing. 
Okay, thanks for your help. Well, th- th- thanks for the call, Tammy. And it sounds like a trip to uh, see one of the fine dentists at BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers might be the ticket here, Ron, because clearly this is a problem. It's this. It's creating some discomfort. Uh, your experience says it shouldn't be. So clearly, there's a need to have a good look at this. And and first, and the other thing is that we don't know for sure that that is what's creating the sensation. Sure, right. So again, and she says she's had three unsuccessful trips in terms of diagnosing the problem. Correct. So maybe uh, maybe a trip to bc perio would be a good idea look at it bcperio.ca is the website and perio friends is spelled p-e-r-i-o so the website is bcperio.ca terrific website all sorts of wonderful information and of course the locations of the two uh, centers which are on west broadway in vancouver and on johnson street in coquitlam lots more with your calls and dr ron zokel from bc perio after the news to the bottom of the hour and welcome back to the program for a Saturday afternoon on the West Coast. It's 2.34. I'm Sterling Fox. Dr. Ron Zokel from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers in Vancouver and Coquitlam is in studio to talk dentistry and to take your calls and answer your questions about dental matters. The lines are open right now at 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Dr. Ron, before the, uh, the news break, we were talking about dentures. And I said uh, I was going to take a few moments after the news and do a kind of a compare and contrast uh, setup, if you would uh, give us a little bit, uh, the difference and the recommendations one way versus the other for individuals uh, contemplating some some major work on, on their mouth, but who may not know about al- alternatives to dentures. A lot of us are only aware of that, and there's this implant thing that we don't know too much about. So let's talk about the merits of implants versus dentures for an individual? Well, uh, that's a long, long topic, actually. But let's see if we can shorten it down to something that makes sense and put it into a nutshell. Dentures, uh, what we call soft tissue-supported dentures compared to implant-supported dentures. Uh, They're still denture material for all intents and purposes. However, the actual denture sits on gum tissue. And over a period of 15 to 20 years, though the deterioration in bone structure and gum tissue quality and such reduces a person's biting forces, they expect as much as 95% in some cases. Hmm. So people can't chew as well. They can't eat as well. There are exceptions. Some people are out there with dentures, and they'll get through anything that you can throw at them. But having said that, that's not the norm. Right. And, and what we find is that when we put implants into the bone structure and attach the denture to those implants, they have an immediate 300% increase in biting potential, force specifically, which means that they can now get through foods like raw vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's a big factor because a lot of the nutrients comes in foods that are just a little bit more difficult to eat. So when we talk about the nutritional value, that's one of the ways that we will go. The other is social, if you will, or interpersonal communications and such. People with dentures that are moving around are less likely to smile, show their teeth, talk, and because they, want to, they don't want to be embarrassed by the movement of their teeth. And such, as soon as you put them fixed to implants, that changes. Now, we can also make the teeth bigger and longer, if you will. We can Give the teeth the size back that they were before they lost all their teeth. Ah, okay. And that changes the shape of the face and makes a person look more youthful. So often when we take a look and say, uh, 
we can rejuvenate your smile. Mm -hmm. And if you have dentures, we can actually make you look sometimes as much as 15 or 20 years younger by virtue of fixing your teeth to implants. Ah. So not only can you eat better, be healthier, but you will look better, feel much more confident, and go out in public, interact both in business and socially much, much more confidently. And I guess if you have a partial denture in which uh, some of the visible teeth are, uh, are your own and others aren't, the matching of the color across that spectrum of, of visible teeth could be difficult. You might have some discoloration that would be uh, from a, a cosmetic perspective, unattractive. Yeah, I think that's true. It makes it a bit more of a challenge for the laboratory to create a set of partial set of teeth, really, that matches natural teeth. Sure, now, yeah. we do the best we can. It's often very, very difficult to get it really, to get it perfect. It's almost impossible to get it perfect, but we can get it really close most of the time. Mm. Uh, having said that, uh, as soon as we are replacing all the teeth, then the world's our oyster. We can make them. I, I, often I'll say, look, this is, well, you, you choose whatever color. I, I, I don't know. You go ahead. I said, well, you, how about purple polka dots? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's ridiculous. Of course, right. But the point but, is, and, is that but somebody you, will eventually say, you can do that? And you, you have to answer, yes, we can. <laughs> and, and the answer <laughs> We is, don't, but course, we could. Exactly. And, and so you can go, and we talked about this earlier, where you can go age appropriate. You can make it l- your teeth look like they belong to a person of your age. We can make them whiter mm-hmm. than normal, but ever so slightly, which makes it look very attractive. We can go really white, or we can go Hollywood white to the point where it looks almost ridiculous. Yeah, right, right. But e- that's, that's a personal choice that people make, and we can accommodate that. Interesting stuff. Let's go back to the phones, and uh, Susan in Burnaby is joining us next. Hello, Susan. Hello. Go ahead, please. I had some uh, implant done about four, three, four years ago. Uh, three, three implants, uh, teeth anyway. So uh, a year and a half ago, it came off, and of course they fixed it and glued it again. And then a second time again, this came off. Uh, the post, the, of course, the post is there, and the teeth just came off. Is it ordinary? Is it common for this implant to, to come off? Usually, usually not, Susan. And, and I think you have to take a look at the way it was designed, what's holding it on, what's breaking down, what are, what's happening with respect to your bite that might be contributing to it. So what you need to do is have it assessed by somebody who's got a significant amount of experience with implants and teeth on implants to find out why that's happening to you and what can be done to solve your problem. It sounds like a, a visit to B.C. Perio might be in, in the cards uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, you're in Burnaby. Probably the West Broadway office would be closest to you, Susan. So keep that in mind, okay, because uh, the follow-up would probably, with a, with a, someone who, as Dr. Ranja has just said, who is a specialist in this area, the, it wouldn't take long to figure it out, would it, from, from your perspective? Usually not. We have to diagnose the reason for the problem in the first place and then come up with a treatment recommendation that would solve it. Okay. Another Susan on the line, this one uh, joining us from Richmond this afternoon. Go ahead, Susan. Hello. Hi there. Um, no, I've got a great dentist. I've been going there for many years. Last time when I went in, um, I was just, uh, for my checkup, I was just given a, a fluoride varnish, which I, I didn't think anything of, and that's uh, prior to that, it had been many years of having the fluoride rinse, which I didn't have any problem with that. Okay. Um, and I'm just um, wondering... Because I was a little surprised that I couldn't eat or drink for four to six hours after this varnish, whereas before with the rinse, you can just, you know, go and have a 
wait half an hour and carry on with your cups of tea or whatever. And um, I don't like that. I, I feel that four to six hours is an awful long time. And I'm just wondering, you know, what exactly are the benefits of this varnish? I looked it up and, you know, they said it was great for babies because that sort of thing. And I'm thinking to somebody who's, you know, in their 60s, um, should you have an option? That's an interesting question. And first of all, that's one question you might want to ask the dental office that actually provided that service. Why did they change? If they changed, and what is the rationale for it? Well, they said it was better. They well, said it was, the research said that it was, it was better. And uh, maybe that might be a good basis for it. Characteristically, varnishes adhere to the tooth structure and keep the fluoride in the area of the tooth structure for a longer period of time. And as such, the more fluoride that you incorporate into the tooth structure makes it more resistant to decay. So... In, in the situation where you have your, a mouthwash, perhaps, of a fluoride solution, it may not be overly consequential if you eat or drink shortly after that, whereas the varnish, you will counteract the benefit of, a, of the adhesion of the varnish by going to uh, eating or drinking something at that time. Now, it's not something I'm overly familiar with, but I would suggest there's a rationale for it, and that would be a good question to put to the people who recommended it. Okay. All right. Thank you, then. Thanks for your call, Susan. Appreciate it. Can we just stay with the fluoride thing for? for and I know you, you can really get uh, go sideways on a thing, but I, <laughs> I spent a few years in Calgary, and they're back at it again, Doctor Ron. The big argument about fluoridating drinking water through the municipal system to do or not to do. Dentists in southern Alberta are yes, of course, but there seems to be a, a bit of local resistance to all of this. You've been down this road before. What's the story? Well, the the, the story. The story is that when fluoride is used, people hear of a fluorine fluoride, and fluoride is a rat poison. And they go, oh, if it contains the word fluoride, it might, might be negative. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't take into account that when you bind the fluoride in such a fashion uh, that's used for rat poison, it's not what you're putting in the mouth. And, and it's a different thing. What we have found... Uh, and by the way, I grew up in Kitimat in my early years up in northern British Columbia. My father was a dentist there, and he encouraged the city to add, be, fluoride? add fluoride to the water, okay. which they did. What I have seen in my 44 years of practice is that people who come from a fluoridated area have massively less dental problems than people who don't, who weren't brought up and have their, their teeth subject to the fluoride in the water. Interesting. And, and I have not seen a negative for it. I haven't seen people die off mm-hmm. or have complications, medically speaking, because they ha- are exposed to fluoride in the water. And it's a very low, low amount of fluoride, but it happens to be significantly valuable. So all the evidence would show that fluoridation of water is actually a positive. And we're a fluoride community here in Vancouver, aren't we? Do you know something? I have never bothered to ask that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. I wanted to ask you about teeth in one day. It sounds remarkably efficient, convenient, and to say the very least, swift. How does it work? Because you're talking about teeth. You're talking about the upper or lower portion of a person's mouth being entirely replaced, if necessary, in one day. I, I, I'm still kind of boggled by the concept. <laughs> we, we hear a lot of dentists being boggled by that concept as well. They go, what, you can do that? So don't you have to leave the implants in for a period of time so they bond to the bone before you put teeth on them? Yeah. And that's the way we used to do it. Not anymore. Okay. What we have found is it, it is far, far 
better. We get a better result, better long-term result, if we put the teeth. The denture is converted to fixed dentures on the implants the day the implants are placed. Doesn't matter if you're wear a denture wearer or that we got to take out old bad teeth mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. When you put the implants in, if you put the teeth on them, the de- full arch teeth on that very same day, several things happen. First of all, it strengthens the implants and holds the implants in place better. And the, because there is some force being placed on the implants, if the implants don't move, it actually bonds stronger to the bone than if you let it wait for a while. So that's a massive positive. The other thing is is that is that you have immediately a beautiful, strong, aesthetic result, which is a wonderful transition for somebody who comes in with lousy, lousy of teeth course, yeah. and leaves that very same yeah. day with a gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous smile. Sure. So that's another benefit there. There are no good reasons to delay putting teeth on the implants other than for the fact when the implants are too loose in the bone and if they're going to move then you avoid putting teeth on them if you if you know they're going to move don't put the teeth on but if you think they're relatively solid put the teeth on them i guess the part that's hardest for me to understand about all of this is as the person who's having this procedure done perhaps involving an extraction or two or more and then the posts put in and then the teeth mounted on the post I, I, the part that's difficult for me to comprehend, Dr. Ron, is the pain quotient. I'm thinking, I've had an extraction before. It hurts like blazes. And I'm thinking if I had more than one, I'd be double blazes uh, in pain. And then you're going to pile all this other stuff. How do you manage all of that? Well, first of all, the concept of having pain after removal of a tooth is a little foreign to us at BC Perio. Uh, oh, oh. Uh, I... I I hear this a lot. I hear people having pain after having an implant placed or having a tooth removed and there's pain. If you contact our receptionists who actually contact, our assistants and receptionists are in contact with all our patients shortly after having a procedure done, be it an implant placed or a tooth removed, mm-hmm. whatever that we Doing did the surgically. Right? With the follow-ups, say, sure. how are you feeling? Yeah. Are you feeling any pain? And, and the great majority of people say, I didn't even need an aspirin. Wow. And, and, it's counterintuitive because it is, one it is. would not expect that. I mean, I, I'm thinking my head would explode. Yes. And what we're finding is that in the way that we treat people at very least, and our experience is exactly the opposite. Interesting. And that's important to know because it's an inhibiting factor for some who might be sort of on the cusp. Again, it's resolution season, <laughs> you know, who might be on the cusp of making that decision, the commitment, because there is a financial component and it is a commitment. Yeah. And, but, you know, I, I, could, I, could, I certainly could stand to look a lot better and I could love to hand, have my smile back. But, geez, I don't think I'm up for all of the pain and discomfort and all the rest. Well, as it turns out, there's not a heck of a lot involved. As it turns out, that's the case. And, and I think... When people are asking how much pain will I be in, do I have to take time off work? Yeah. Our comment is pretty much like this, or my comment is at least. I said, look, my experience has been, and you can check this out, and I can put you in touch with dozens of patients who would take your call and relay their experience. And you will find that the great majority of people we treat find the discomfort to be incredibly small. Many do not take any pain relievers at all. Amazing. Yet we, we provide a pain reliever just in of case. Of course. Right. Yeah. You know, if you're one of those people with a very low pain threshold and it hurts, 
as the anesthetic comes out, then we want you to mm-hmm. take something to take the pain away for sure and help sleep and what have you. But the great majority, I've had people say, look, please don't give me any more pain relievers. I got a cupboard full of them. Yeah. If you have multiple surgeries, I got a cupboard full of them. I don't need any more pain relievers because Amazing. I'm not using them every time I'm finished with you. So that's, uh, again, uh, I suppose for some, to hear this for the first time in terms of the reassurance factor, uh, Dr. Zokel, about the whole matter of implants, because even though the obvious, the, the result, the end game, the end product, that glorious smile that you once had that all of a sudden, there you are again, you're back. There's a little matter of getting to that. And for some, it can be an inhibiting process. And, and pain is, is, is a barrier for people. Yes, and there's usually a reason why that pain does come back uh, after these procedures. Uh, I like to feel that we take care of all of those reasons as much as we humanly possibly can mm-hmm. to take all the reasons that would generate pain and swelling and remove the causes of the sources for those pain, that pain and swelling. And I would, I would say that our, our evidence is such that it supports the fact. In, in fact, even the doctors that I've trained over the years come back and say, we use your techniques to do this stuff, and we have exactly the same experience you do. Wow. Okay. Well, and I'm, um, I'm r- delighted to be a part of this conversation simply from the, the, the point of view of providing information, good, useful information that may encourage some to take that next step that perhaps they've been just a little hesitant about. And that, that may be just sort of the, the, one, the, the one little <laughs> detail that causes someone to take action. Yes, it might be. BCPerio.ca is the website for BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers. There are two of them, in Coquitlam at 1175 Johnson Street and in Vancouver at 777 West Broadway. And uh, the website is BCPerio, P-E-R-I-O, BCPerio.ca. All of the information about uh, uh, booking appointments, all the phone numbers, the addresses, right there at BCPerio.ca. Another very informative visit, Dr. Ron. Zuckel, a pleasure to see you uh, in this uh, first visit of the new year, and we'll look forward to many more appearances. Thank you, Sterling. It's a pleasure to be here. Dr. Ron Zoko from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers. We're back after this. And once again, our thanks to Dr. Ron Zokel from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers for another informative visit, and thanks for your calls, too. Next week, we'll have a fresh Vancouver Market real estate update from the pros at 1% Realty. Time now for the Steel Report. And today, Linda talks about cars and salt. I'm Linda Steele, and this is your Steel Report. With the winter weather seemingly sticking around a bit longer this year, the Fraser Valley may become once again full of dirty, salt-encrusted cars. And while car wash owners may not agree, Marvin Daniels Jr. of Daniels Auto Body in Chicago says that while salt isn't a flattering look on cars, drivers should refrain from washing their vehicles until the temperature rises. You shouldn't wash your car when it's below freezing, because the problem is the water will freeze in your door locks and you won't be able to get in or out your car. Daniel says he sees about a dozen cars every winter that are in need of body repairs due to freezing, but he says the repair is one you can do yourself. Heat the key with a match or a cigarette lighter and wiggle it into the door lock, repeating until it opens. Or run an extension cord, fire up a hairdryer, and focus it on the lock. But for the sake of both vanity and moving on from old man winter, let's hope the drivers in the lower mainland aren't put in a position to have to heed his advice until next year. I'm Linda Steele, and that's your Steele Report. 
Thank you, Linda. Steel and Drex, weekdays 2 to 6 on CKNW. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. A new survey from Account Temps shows January is the least happy month for at least one in four Canadian workers, with February coming in a close second. So why does winter affect almost half of Canadian workers so negatively? Amazingly, It's the winter blues. That sounds a little specious, but managers surveyed say they are very aware of reduced productivity and energy during the winter months. And if they don't take some measures, things can get pretty depressing in workplaces. So here are the official suggestions about making more workers happier during January. Stay active. Get up and walk around the workplace often. Eat well and healthy. Make time for small talk. Sometimes the ideas from these conversations can make a difference. Set goals for the year ahead and pursue professional development. Nothing like improving your skill set to pick up the energy level. Well, we've seen all this one coming for a while. British Airways announced this week they will no longer have reclining seats on short-haul flights. The airline will fit non-reclining seats on 35 planes set to fly the economy class later this year. BA has cultivated a sort of elite status over the years, and this move is decidedly contrary to that. The airline doesn't appear to care as British moves to budget-style flying in economy. They've already scrapped free food and drink for economy, and are looking to stop selling duty-free merchandise on short flights as well. Passengers don't seem too displeased. These trends are pretty established elsewhere. The only upside for economy flyers on British Airways appears to be free Wi-Fi and at-seat power. Coming soon. Diet Coke is undergoing a makeover to increase its appeal to millennials. Coca-Cola has spent two years and tested over 30 flavors before settling on... Mango, ginger lime, blood orange, and cherry as Diet Coke's new tastes, in addition to the original, which is still around. The can has been redesigned to be taller and slimmer, and it's about targeting younger drinkers who have moved to alternative choices in drinks like flavored fizzy water some of which is made by Coke. Expect to see the new Diet Coke options here next month. And finally, Dine Out Vancouver is back for the 16th time this year from next Friday, that's the 19th, to February 4th. And this year, a record 308 restaurants around our city are participating. One of the more popular ingredients in Dine Out Vancouver is the Food Truck Festival. And that's happening from January 22nd to 28th at the Art Gallery on Georgia Street. Over 20 trucks will be involved, and if New Year's Eve was any indicator when they were all out at the big party, they're already a big hit, too. And that's our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferrara at the controls, flying solo for his first ride. I'm Sterling Fox. Join us again next Saturday at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer, right here on 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.